This podcast is brought to you by People's Light, a cultural and civic center with theater at its core, celebrating its 49th season. For more information, visit peopleslight.org. Welcome to Cratchit's Table, a Christmas Carol podcast. This is a limited series roundtable discussion with the cast and creative team of Christmas Carol, running at People's Light from November 15th to December 31st. You can get your tickets on the People's Light website. Infused with original music and traditional English carols, and performed by a stellar ensemble, this jubilant retelling of the beloved Yuletide ghost story is the perfect way to celebrate the holidays. Bring your loved ones aged 6 to 106. On this podcast, we're going to dig into everything that is Christmas Carol, from why we tell this story over and over to its potential to be quite problematic. We'll be joined by a variety of guests and perspectives. I'm your host, Andrew Watring, People's Light's Community Program's Creative Director and the Associate Director of Christmas Carol. Throughout the episodes, I'll always be joined by People's Light's Producing Artistic Director and the Adapter and Composer of Christmas Carol, Zach Berkman. How you doing, Zach? Oh, uh, Andrew, I'm getting over a cold, so I feel a little bit like Rudolph when he had the thing on his nose, but I, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> that's, good to, that's good to know. Today we will be joined by the illustrious artistic director of Theater Horizon and the director of People's Lights Christmas Carol, Nell Bong Jensen. Nell, how are you today? I'm doing really well, thanks. On our lunch break from staging many scenes. <laughs> yes, we just came out of quite the involved sequence. So, Nell, what is your relationship to Christmas Carol? Evolving is the first word that comes to mind. I think I saw the Muppets Christmas Carol as a kid, but it was a little bit of a wash. It didn't make a huge impact, which might be sacrilege to say in this space, but it's true. <laughs> and then I went on a field trip to see a play version as a kid in school. And I liked it because I liked theater, but I was also a little bored. And it also wasn't really cool to like theater. So I think there was sort of a lot of, I remember talking a lot during the show. It didn't make a huge impact. Where was this now? This was, what I, when I remember <laughs> that I'm seeing, saying it was negative things uh, about in Burlington, <laughs> Vermont at a theater there. What is kind of amazing is that this is a tangent, but it will tie back. So my husband grew up in Iowa, and what got him out of the state as an 18-year-old was being on a national tour of Christmas Carol as a dancing beggar. (laughs) Wow. And he thinks everything in his life, his career, his political beliefs, everything – really came from being on that tour, which removed him from Iowa. Moment. Were there many dancing beggars? Was he no, one of he them? was the only He was the only dancing, 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 beggar. dancing beggar. Wow. Yeah. And when we saw it here in 2021, he was like, there wasn't a dancing beggar. <laughs> <laughs> there's no ignorance, there's no yeah, wants, no. and there's no there's dancing no beggar. Dancing yeah, beggar. ignorance and want, yeah. But yeah. what's crazy is on that tour, he performed, it was not at the same time, but he performed at the Flynn Theater. And yeah. so we both have this association in Burlington, Vermont, with the tour of Christmas Carol, which we just discovered years later into our marriage. Have you, as an artistic leader, ever considered programming Christmas Carol? It's a great question. Never seriously, because <laughs> it felt like there were so many places doing Christmas Carol already. 
And I didn't want to be in competition with them. Yeah. I know there's a few in the Philly theater region who already kind of do their version. But now that I'm working on it and have really fallen in love with the piece more than I had, I understand the why a lot better. And it's very exciting, I think, because it's such a well-known story that I, as a director, it feels like a rite of passage <laughs> to get to have your take on Christmas Carol. There are certain puzzles and problems inherent to the script. I think that it's on a director to solve, like, how do people fly? How do we believe this transformation is viable or real? And it's really fun and a bit terrifying when you think of all the productions before to kind of figure out what your own approach is going to be to that. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that a little bit. What was your approach? What was your initial idea or pitch to be approaching this kind of very widely known produced staple of the American theater? Yeah, I think when Zach sent it to me, and I feel like we, we might feel similarly about this, Zach, neither of us were diehard Christmas Carol fans from childhood, right. to say the least. And so I think it was a great provocation for me to then ask myself, well, what is it about this play? Besides nostalgia, which I think is the easiest answer, that makes people want to see it and see it often years in a row over and over again. And what if we treated it sort of as a new play? What is dramatically compelling? And I kept coming back to the fact that we as an audience get to witness a full 180 degree transformation from this character at the end of the play that we almost never get to see in drama. We get to see people making small choices in a life, right? Like maybe there's a breakup in a play or someone moves, which are significant things, but we don't get to see someone fully transform who they are. And there's something so delightful as an audience to get to see a character make that full transition and transformation. And so that idea of transformation has really been the jumping off point for the production. And we are using it to a T. So you have characters transformed to other characters. You have the set with the whole set is just made out of windows and boxes that transform into other things. Objects transform to be things that they're not. And the whole time we see this kind chorus of actors playing with the idea of transformation, all kind of building to what Scrooge is unable to see, and then finally can see himself, the world they've imagined for him at the end of the play. People, and Zach, feel free to jump in, but uh, people seem to have a lot of preconceived notions. Oh, I will, Andrew. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> people seem to have a lot of preconceived notions about Christmas Carol, and a lot of strong feelings. So for, for your production of Christmas Carol, what do you think people will find familiar, and what do you think people will find difficult, or maybe find some distance with? I think we are asking the audience to imagine things they might be used to seeing. So they're not going to see a character eat mashed potatoes, but they're going to be asked to imagine what mashed potatoes could be. Just as a random example, we've been working a lot in the Cratchit family, so I've been thinking a lot about mashed potatoes and beans and applesauce. So I think... And would we be delighted if a six-year-old calls out in the middle of the show, those aren't real! Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Because I actually think the audience is more intelligent and kind and generous than Scrooge oh, mm -hmm. and is being asked to participate and bring a sense of wonder and childlike astonishment and imagining to watching it. But I think sometimes we're so used to seeing things just spelled out for us, we turn our brains off. And I think on this one, we're asking the audience to lean in and engage with us. So that might be what feels different. I think in terms of what feels familiar, you'll see generosity and joy and kindness and children and <laughs> characters and all of that is very true, I think, to the original story. 
I'm not out to get those people in Vermont that bored you as a, as a kid, <laughs> yeah. but but I'm I'm wondering how much of Kid Nell mm-hmm. is ever sitting beside you as you're directing, and to what degree, what is she whispering in your ear while you're working with the cast on this kind of production? Yeah, I would say it's a task of imagining more and showing less and leaning in. I think she's she's saying go further or go deeper so that the scary moments are scary and the joyful moments are joyful. And I also think that Kidnell loved watching kids on stage, although I, it would also make me angry and depressed because I'd be mad that I remember I, like seeing shows, <laughs> very similar, seeing yes, shows as a kid similar. and sort of like wishing for an emergency where a kid would have to like go off stage. It's like you're all and about I would Eve. Be like, I, like... I, I would raise my hand and be like, I happen to know all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting to be called upon for this. Uh, that's right. Um, I remember this particular with, it's a long story, but we have a deep family relationship with Anne of Green Gables, the musical, Canada's longest running musical. And I yes. knew all of those kids tracks inside and out and would go and just be waiting and I actually in a funny way and this sounds like a joke and it partially is but I'm I'm reminding myself in the room when in doubt use the kids Mm -hmm. because we have these children on stage and it's so evocative to see them do anything yeah and so I think they are in many ways you know the kind chorus is the heart and feel of the show and the kids are even more emblematic of that I don't know if you have these moments, but whenever we're working with the the youth cast of just like being back in that place of doing theater for the first or the second or the third time and being amongst a bunch of older actors and being in a room, what what is that like for you? Because you, you are so wonderful with the youth cast and it's like really heartening to see you contextualize things for them and, and really talk to them like professionals. So what is that like for you? I feel like everyone thrives when they have more context and my two and a half year old reminds me of that every day is that she is a more cooperative and general version of herself if I remind her why we're doing the things we're doing and prep her for them in advance. And I think all of that is true for adults as well. Um, We just, I think toddlers and children are more willing to give us their uncooperative, ungenerous selves and with less of a filter. I love working with the youth cast. They surprise me all the time, which you want and don't want in different moments from actors Mm -hmm. in a process. But it's really a gift to see them do things I I could have never thought of before. But they're approaching it from such a different perspective that most of the time I just love their impulses and also want to find a way for them to make each role their own. And it's tricky because we have two casts doing the same role. And so I've been thinking a lot about, okay, what is true for the Tiny Tims always? Mm -hmm. And then what is true of Tiny Tim when Prince does the role? And what is true of Tiny Tim when Owen does the role? And how can we make it individual to their strengths and interests and so that's been a really fun game as a director too is what blocking do we need to set to get everyone off stage safely versus can the delivery of a line land a little differently depending on who's saying it and so I've really enjoyed that element of working with the youth as well. Speaking of Nell as a director, Zach as artistic leader, I'm interested. What about Nell as an artist and a and a creative leader made you think Christmas Carol, or, or kind of what what was that dream like? What what was that connection? How was that connection made? Well, I mean, I think Nell and I have been wanting to figure out something to work on together for a while, and I think highly and hugely of Nell's work as an artistic leader, as a director. 
during COVID, um, when I was getting near sort of the saturation point on virtual theater, Nell's version of The Wolves kind of woke me up and was like, well, that's a really exciting, innovative way of even approaching this medium. Um, and that continued our conversation. So, so when it became clear we were going to do Christmas Carol and wanting to take a new approach to it, a new staging to it, I asked Nell to, to meet with me and talk with me about what that might look like. And early on, Nell was talking about transformation and a lot of these ideas ideas that have come to fruition and I just felt that we literally were speaking the same language and that the other thing I know is that for this play to work for the production to work the room of people making it has to feel as cared for and humane and human as possible and so knowing that there would be a leader in the room who that is at the foremost of her practice was really critical so I'm thrilled that Nell is, is helming this endeavor. Yeah y'all the room is amazing <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really fun room. And not to have you then say nice things about Zach, but in terms of Zach as the adapter of Christmas Carol, because as someone who we loves say Christmas terrible Carol, things about me, <laughs> let's, let's we, get it on we record. said there are things that are problematic on this podcast, so you can <laughs> yeah, say whatever okay, you want. Fair. I am interested. Knowing Christmas Carol well, this is very different from a lot of, of Christmas Carols. And I'm interested in your thoughts on that, of, of, of this piece as a text. What is Zach doing differently? What is Zach doing similarly, uh, kind of uh, similar to the, the question about your pitch? Like, what, what are you viewing in this text that's keeping you up? I love this adaptation, and I'm not just saying this because you're, but it is my favorite <laughs> adaptation Aww. of a Christmas Carol I've ever read. And I love the music so much. I think you are writing as someone who is not in love with and obsessed with Dickens and A Christmas Carol, and it makes you pull out moments and be critical of them and have to solve and puzzle your way through it. And you see all of that work happening in the script, like how to handle racial dynamics as we think about it with the characters and the actors we have, how we handle gender dynamics in these times. I think you have some amazing feminist moments that are not in the original Dickens <laughs> um, and that I love working on. I think it's really a testament to that script and work. I just will share the story that when we were casting this piece and really casting a wide net, um, no pun intended, <laughs> a lot of the actors when hearing from agents and casting directors, at first they thought, oh, another Christmas Carol. And then they read the script and they said, well, I would work on this. And so I really do think you're doing something much deeper at the character level than most versions of the script. And maybe that's why I was bored at the original Christmas <laughs> Carol is because there's a risk, I think, with this story because so many people know it. It's been muppetized. It's been yeah. Once it's been muppetized, it's over. It's over. Right. That the characters become caricatures, and I think you've really found this richness to all of them and their inner lives. That's really fun as a director to explore both kind of the script analysis and character analysis of, while also doing these transformative acts. And it's rare for a script, I think, to give you the opportunity to do both. Thanks, Nell. Yeah. Yes, and we can continue saying nice things about each other. That doesn't sure. have to stop. But a, a kind of an anchor question or, or provocation. In the Christmas present sequence, uh, there's this amazing exchange that Christmas present and Scrooge have where Scrooge is kind of seeing this beautiful kaleidoscope of lives and, and small moments. We, we were just working on it today, so that's why I, yeah, I can see it very vividly in my mind. And the spirit remarks, have you never wondered about the private and intimate lives of those around you? And I'm interested in how you relate to that statement both for the holidays and, and for theater in general. 
A resounding yes, I would say. I think I constantly wonder about the daily and intimate lives of people. And that's probably why I've chosen this profession. I love human dynamics. I love analyzing human dynamics. It's like one of my favorite things in the world to leave a party and analyze, oh, do you think that person is really doing okay? And they said this thing and is their marriage okay? You know, on a, on a, I don't want to call it gossip, but I guess it is just trying to analyze what people are saying or not saying and how they're in space and relationship to each other. I remember a directing professor telling me once that when you cross your legs, your foot ends up closer to the person you feel more comfortable with, typically. And it's little things like that. Just notice it in your life. It's little things like that I just love paying attention to. And I think always have. I mean, babysitting was always a side hustle for me. And I think it started because I do love children, but also because I got to be in other people's homes, Mm -hmm. seeing how they live and seeing like what's on their calendar, what's this grocery list on the fridge and all of the kind of minutia of daily life still really fascinates me. I'm wondering how that also relates to the holiday season because it is a time of coming together across like many fields and and, and seeing people that you haven't seen in a long time and having those experiences of, are you okay? What has changed in your life? Scrooge has this experience seeing people in in, in different settings. Uh, I'm wondering how that statement relates more specifically to the holidays for you. Yeah, it's a good question because I think for myself and for many people, there's an element of ritual involved in the holidays. Mm. And so I think in doing that, it can be an opportunity to see people we haven't seen or to do the same thing every year and then reflect on how you've changed. I remember for years, my group of high school friends and our moms, every when we all went off to college, every winter break, we'd come back and we'd have a Love Actually party and we would watch... Love Actually, and it was such a strange thing to watch the same movie with the same group of people every year, and eventually it just sort of stopped because of where we all were in our lives, Hmm. but it was this interesting moment to think this is the one opportunity I have to see and catch up with these people and have this shared viewing experience, and recognize year after year maybe how problematic that movie was. (laughs) We sort of like, we started being very problematic, but I love it so much. Same. We're doing Christmas Girl. Same, yeah. (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. It's true. And yeah. next year we'll do Love, Love Actually. Actually. Yes, that's right. Hey, how has that not become a stage adaptation, know. There actually? should be. That's hard, though. Somebody should do that. We could do it. No, I know we could do it. I'm just oh, saying it's oh, hard. Oh. Yeah, yeah. As we come to our final few minutes, uh, are there any last reflections that you have or thoughts or, or quick stories you want to tell us about things that have happened in the room that have been really exciting? Or, yeah, I, I want to open it up to you. Just having so much fun. I'm so grateful to be working on this. It is such a puzzle in terms of figuring out the, the literal moving parts and who's doing what and what the children are doing and how both casts are doing relatively the same thing. And it's it's so much fun for my brain to ask those questions and figure out how it all works and comes together. And it's such a beautiful script. And already I'm having such an emotional response to watching them do things in the room. And it just makes me really excited about this production and yeah, really grateful to be at People's Light. Well, thank you, Nell. That's all the time we have. Please continue the conversation we started in the comments. Be on the lookout on People's Light social media for future episodes. If you're feeling generous, please donate to People's Light on our website at peopleslight.org support. We hope you come out to see Christmas Carol running at People's Light from November 15th to December 31st. You can get your tickets on the People's Light website at peopleslight.org. Awa! 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 Awa!